0: Good morning church my name is Brett I happen to be the overseer of our congregations here in the Washington area and we are glad to have you today especially our guests welcome thank you for making us your church home for an hour today we're going to talk today about restoration and what it means for us as a people to take things that are broken put them back together fix things that don't work very well to be an example to our society about what God thinks about the world because he has not changed his plan from the beginning his plan from the beginning was to give man this planet and to allow man then to steward it well after the image of God to care for it to be in a place where he could present anything that he did on on the earth to God and say how is that this is an offering to you of what I've done unfortunately man didn't do very well he wound up disobeying God and serving another master. As a result, the Lord has been trying to get back to that pattern that was marred by Adam and Eve. And the restoration process is that which we need to enjoin on a regular basis, not just as a church by staff, by professionals, but by individuals in the congregation who go out into the world and see a broken place, broken neighborhoods, broken workplaces, broken schools, broken relationships, and say God wants to touch that because he's got a plan for you. He wants to fix that which isn't right. Turn with me over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 58. And we're going to look at uh, verse 12. Will you stand as we read our scriptures? Title of the message is Restoration. These from among you, verse 12, Isaiah 58... Will rebuild ancient ruins. You will raise up age old foundations. And you will be called repairs of the breach, the restorer of streets in which to dwell. Lord, help us as we study and help us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated. Isaiah is one of the most prominent prophets in the Old Testament. This is a man who had the privilege of talking about who Jesus would be before Jesus came more than any other prophet. What he would do, how he would come, his birth, his death, how he would suffer, how he would minister, what he would say. I'm the one who is called to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to open blind eyes, and to to deliver those into the favorable year of the Lord. He would be bruised for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be on him. The virgin will be with child. All that is found in the book of Isaiah. And here, he's dealing with the people who have some some issues with God not regarding their sacrifice. They think they've done the religious thing that ought ought to have a response from God that goes like this. Well done. I'm so impressed. They fasted. Now, most people would say going to church is a pretty good sacrifice. If you offer to God, that's even better. You give some money. And if you serve by going with grace, loves, and, and touching the community in significant ways by distributing goods and delivering the gospel, boy, you are, you are way up there. If you give up food for a day, you qualify for sainthood. This is the way most people think. Most of y'all have never fasted before. And when, when the idea comes up, because we fast as a church at least 12 days a year, 11, five at the beginning of the year with the Evernation World, three before Easter, and then three during our anniversary month in September. We hope that it's a prompt, a primer, to get you to do this on a regular basis because fasting is that which says to God, it's not a hunger strike. <laughs> We're not saying, God, I'm not going to eat until you move. It's not it. It's presenting ourselves to God saying, I need you more than my necessary food. I'm at a place where I can't fix whatever is wrong. I I can't, my my efforts just aren't good enough. And so, and sometimes what's wrong is you. I can't fix me like I need to fix me. And so, Lord, please do something. And I'm showing you that I'm so desperate that I'm willing to, to forego that which I need to get that which I can't live without. fast. And what happens is this, somehow your soul gets, gets recalibrated to where you are now more sensitive to the things of the Spirit than you were before, rather than try, trying to figure out how your flesh can be fed. And you hear God better. You put yourself in a position to receive from Him more easily. The people have fasted here in Isaiah 58, but they fasted in the wrong way. In fact, they say, why have you fasted? Why why have we fasted and you not seen? Why haven't you noticed our sacrifice? Well, all throughout the book of Isaiah, this is the posture of the people of Israel. In the first chapter, God tells them this, stop coming to church and offering. Now, when God says that, you know he's not happy with the people because he's prescribed for them to come to church and offer. But he says, the way you do it is all wrong. You're trying to figure out how in the world you can impress me on Sunday, but, 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 but Monday through Saturday, there is no compliance. You drive hard your workers, you're mean to your wife, you're horrible to your kids, you, you gossip, you, you, you're mean, you, you backstab your friends, but you think somehow by going to church it's going to fix everything you did for the last six days. Stop it. Stop being religious and figure out how to be right. That's the problem with the people in Isaiah's day. They were going through the motions thinking that somehow the religion could replace the relationship. Now I realize that there's a lot of people out there that say, no, Christianity is not about religion. It is. It's just not about religion only. Religion is that which is a form that allows you to stimulate your relationship. The reason you have form is so that you can understand how you should have your relationship work best. Now, if religion ever replaces your relationship, that's a problem. Right. That's good. Relationship needs help because you need help. You're not good enough just to do it on the fly. You're not skilled enough. You're not knowledgeable enough. You're not any enough. I'm not. And so God says, let me set up some things that help you understand how relationship ought to go best by putting some forms in place that remind you of what you ought to do in this environment. The problem is once you get involved in religion, you think you're doing it so well that it replaces your relationship. And that's where it's dangerous in Christianity. The people of Israel were doing that. If I just show up, I'm good. I don't have to worry about what I do with my friends How I talk about folk, how I feed folk, how I don't feed folk, how I treat my workers. I don't know. Just show up. And here, the people are saying, why have we fasted and you not seen? And God says, is fasting just about humbling yourself on a day? It's not about that. It's about giving yourself to the poor. He's talking about what they needed to do before and even sometimes during their fast. This isn't a message about fasting, but I'm laying the groundwork to let you know what happens as a result of people who fast properly. Because when they do fast properly, God says, this is the kind of fast I've chosen in the prior verses. For one, to give yourself to the poor, to care for people who are in need, to clothe those who are naked, to feed the hungry. And if you do it right, and it doesn't mean that when you fast, you have to do these things. It means that your fasted life allows you to do these things even when you're not fasting. When you do these things, your light will break out like the dawn. Your healing will come quickly. Your recovery will come in a hurry. Your, the, the, the darkness will be like the noon day. God will appear to you in relationship like you've never seen before. And you will become those who rebuild ancient ruins. You'll raise up age-old foundations. You'll restore the breach, repair it. And restore the streets in which to dwell. This passage was taken from the foundation of how people are to approach God properly. And if they do, then they become people who can fix stuff that's broken. When we talk about rebuilding ancient ruins, wow. Aren't we called to take stuff we know to be true and then construct something that allows people to understand how it's been broken? And then what it's supposed to look like. Rebuilding ancient ruins. Now, we think that Isaiah here was talking about something that he saw in the Spirit because he prophesied from 740 B.C. to 680 B.C. He, he, He was a prophet under four kings. And these four kings were pretty good. Not all of them great, but most of them pretty good. Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Hezekiah and Uzziah were the best Jotham and Ahaz okay Ahaz not too good Jotham okay but the bookends were really good but even with good kings they had they had challenging people so Uzziah reigned longer than any other king other than Manasseh and I don't know why Manasseh reigned long because he was really bad but Uzziah reigned long and but Uzziah was a good king much of Isaiah's prophecy regarding the people not being right is during Uzziah's reign. You're just scratching your head. You mean you can have good leadership and not good followers? No, <laughs> oh, that's not a reference to me. Not a reference to me. <laughs> Let me say it this way You deserve better than me. You deserve better. I realize what I'm not. I'm just letting you know that in this passage, Isaiah was trying to figure out how to get the people right, not just the king. And he's, he's prophesying during a time when the city is safe. These four kings were not under threat that would cause them to lose everything. Oh, they had battles, they had threats, but they didn't lose everything. The city was in good shape. It wasn't destroyed. And so you're sitting there thinking, Isaiah, what are you talking about? Repair. Restore, rebuild. What are you talking about? Well, we think he's prophesying about what would happen in 586 B.C. almost 100 years later, where Jerusalem was destroyed. And they would have to have a people that would come back and repair everything. I mean destroyed. The Babylonians destroyed the temple. They destroyed the walls. They destroyed everything in the city. They burned everything with fire. And it was uninhabitable. So we think he was prophesying about that, saying, those who come from you, we'll do this, realizing the generations down the road, if you fast now, if you do it right now, you're preparing the way for those who come. You have no idea. Now, you might be fasting simply because you think that your fast is going to fix something in your world, and by the grace of God, I think it will. Somewhere in my parenting, my, my oldest was 12, my youngest was a newborn, and there were five in the middle. And I had an exemplary woman as a bride who hung in here with me. But I realized this, that even with her good parenting, these kids were not going to be what they needed to be unless they had a better dad. And I didn't know how to get better faster. And so I said, God, I need your help. And I fasted once a week for a decade. And every time I fasted, God did something, either in me or in my children. And I I was glad about it. But, I, but I, I had very little perspective that my fast would help 20 years later with you. Or how it would break open things and help rebuild things and help pave the way for stuff. 20 years later, I had very little perspective. But here Isaiah helps the people understand you're not only helping your situation, you're helping your grandkids' situation. Those who come from among you will do this. You may not need it, but they will. And they'll be inspired and motivated by how I have heard and and seen your fasting well. And I will inspire them to go and do what needs to be done. Four areas here that Isaiah talks about. One, taking the ruins. And, And again, Jerusalem, if he's prophesying about Jerusalem, Jerusalem had many ruins. You could probably list 100 things that needed to be fixed. But I'm going to concentrate on two under each point. You'll be the ones that rebuild ancient ruins. And the two things that I think are most important for us are the family and the church. Well, the family is the backbone of society, is it not? Families don't work well. Society doesn't work well. And we have reinvented family in America. We made it something that the Bible says is not what he intended it to be. And we think we can get proper results with that kind of architecture, and we can't. Let me reemphasize that. We can't. Unless we do it according to what God says, unless we use his architecture, there is no way to get the proper results. No way. Do not interpret his mercy that allows people to do wrong for a little bit to be that which he approves. He just loves people and doesn't want to judge them. But at some point, when he gets bad enough, he's the one who determines, now's enough. Stop. And he brings his limited, reserved judgment to somebody. The sad thing is, they get mad at him when that happens, even though they have ignored all the bridge signs. They drove over the cliff. And they get mad at God for their car falling. There are prescribed ways that God said family ought to be done, and we ought to pursue those. Now, sometimes it can't happen. Sometimes tragedy occurs. You have a mother, you have a father, you have kids. Sometimes a spouse doesn't do as right as they should. Sometimes they're taken out by disease, and the enemy hits them, and calamity occurs. We get that, but the mercy of God is there for that. And children can grow up in an environment that is less than perfect and wind up okay. I'm one of those okay. My parents had a horrible relationship. They loved us dearly. My dad was very committed to me. He didn't know how to love me, but very, very committed. Did everything he possibly could to try to help me be what I needed to be, but he didn't have what I needed. And so if you don't have something, you surely can't give it. He didn't have a relationship with God, he didn't know how to disciple me, he didn't understand purpose, he didn't understand any of that. And neither did my mother, though she drug us to church, dad stayed away all the time. They divorced in 1973, and I found myself in a place of of, of lostness. I was 13, or 74, I was 13 and I didn't know how to be or what to do. But I don't think there's much about my presentation and my leadership that makes you think that I grew up in a family like that. At some point, God came to my life and gave me hope and began to revitalize me and rebuild that was broken, that which was broken in my soul. And as a result, you see something that doesn't look like the 13-year-old that was in tragedy. My point is, even if you don't have perfect, God can help. But simply because perfect doesn't exist as often as it should, Doesn't mean we need to abandon it. We need to stay with the pattern and hold on to it and do our best to to revive that which is dead in a relationship and fix that which is broken and don't take offense to be that which says, I'm done. Because you break much more than already has been broken. You who are struggling in your relationship with marriage, I'm begging you, come to our marriage classes, Pastor AJS, Pastor JCS, come and let God begin to restore that which has been broken. You can find help. You who are youth, dealing with parents that can't figure it out, find, find Grant, find our, our, our lift group, find some people who can help you through the process of getting perspective. Of you being the one who can intercede and seeing your family come back together. Family is really important, super important. Secondly, the church. We work really hard at trying to produce something that looks like New Testament reality. Making disciples. Making sure that the church is built on on the proper foundations of Scripture. Uh, Raising up leaders. Trying to do things like Jesus did it. No, we're not perfect. Yes, we have a whole lot of issues. You stay around long enough, you will see all of our warts. You get close enough, you'll, 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 feel our, you'll smell our bad breath. <laughs> you'll say, oh, I didn't know that. Man, when we, when we understand that which is not as it should be, though we do, we do try to repent, we change. We say, you know what, you're right, that needs to be fixed. We'll, we'll do better there. We do our best to do our best by the grace of God. To present to you something that looks like Bible. Rebuilding the church allows for families to come in, and realize here is a safe place. Now, may I may I define safe? For most people, I realize safe means nobody's going to bother me. That's not us. It's not. You are here to be bothered. Otherwise, you wouldn't come listening to me. That's all I do is upset you. Step on your toes constantly. Tell you that you're not as right as you should be. Encourage you about what it means to get right. Let you know the Holy Spirit is there to empower you and strengthen you. Our flaws are those which need to be repaired. And people coming into the church can't find perfection. That's not there. And by the way, if you're looking for the perfect church, I hope you find it. I really do. Just don't join it. Because you'll mess it up. <laughs> you get my point. Churches are made up of broken people. Everybody comes with baggage, lots of it. Now, now I would hope that most would just come with a carry-on. But that's not the case. I mean, when people come to our church, you hear this beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Is you all back it up I'm joining oh hallelujah come on in <laughs> and we welcome them everybody's got a lot of baggage I had a lot of baggage I still got some but the church is a place where you can find hope and help it's not a safe place where people are just going to tell you you're wonderful every day sometimes they're going to give you some truth that doesn't feel very good but that truth helps you get better So it's a safe place for you to feel what redemption is. How to apply it to your life. How to take truth and make it something that allows you to get better every day. That's what we're about. Secondly, he talks about taking the environment of of things that have been raised, destroyed, ruins, and, and, and doing something with those and I think we need to, to, to speak about age-old foundations and what those are. Two of them, again, there are many things that needed to be fixed. The entire city was destroyed, if that's what Isaiah was prophesied about. But age-old foundations are those, from my perspective, at least these two, are theological and missiological. That we have good theology that allows us to understand what we ought to do well. That we don't bend our theology in order to make us feel better. We don't look at Scripture and say, well, I'm going to take that one passage that makes me feel good and neglect the others. There has to be a good hermeneutic, which means the entire message of Scripture. You have to have good exegesis, which means the, 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 the picking apart of an individual passage, looking at the culture, looking at the context, looking at the person who was writing, looking at the people to whom he was writing, and then putting it all back together in Greek and Hebrew and English, if possible, and pulling, pulling all that and finding out what the original truth was so you can make a proper application. Now you may not know Greek and Hebrew, I got that, but we help you. We give you understanding from our perspective that we believe is most accurate according to what the original was saying when he wrote it. That's what we're working hard at. And so theologically, we are a people that try to adhere to the highest standard of scripture as we know, even if it hurts us, even if it doesn't feel good. It grates against our flesh and our desires. We are adhering to those things because we want to please God. Missiologically, we believe that it's not not something that's super important just to think about building a big church. We want to send people out. We want to plant. We want to develop leaders. We believe it's important to reach the world. Jesus told these 120, 12 and then 120, go into all the world and preach this gospel. These were men and women who were in Jerusalem. They were Jewish. They loved the Jewish culture. They loved the Jewish diet. They loved the Jewish music. They loved everything Jewish. But Jesus was saying there's a bigger world out there that needs the message that you've got to benefit you. Go. Don't just stay. Go. We have to touch this world. That's not just for the disciples who were 12. We don't know how many were there when Jesus said this on the day of his ascension when he left. We don't know how many. But we do know that everyone within earshot realized, I better get my passport. I better get my passport. Missiologically, we have to touch the world. Thirdly, repairs of the breach. Holes and walls every place in Jerusalem. The two I'm going to concentrate on for us are holiness and prayer. These are things that help guard us. Our holiness is a shield against the the pressures of the world to try to conform. Our holiness doesn't allow us to be accepted by God. The only thing that allows us to be accepted by God is the blood of Jesus. Not how good you are, not how well you perform, only the blood of Jesus. The holiness that we practice allows us to be approved by God. I like what you're doing. That's good. That's good. Acceptance and approval are two different things. And I want to hear well done regularly. And holiness, yes, it's about morality. It's about making sure you're functioning at a very high level with your personal relationships. All of that needs to be (laughs) very emphasized in a world that that fudges on everything with respect to, to, to purity. And I want to concentrate on purity rather than just conduct. Purity is what you can't see. Purity is down on the inside. Godliness is down here. People can actually look very, they can act very moral and they can appear to be godly, but their heart is not. You you can be fooled by that. And this is why Peter says, to your faith, in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10, to your faith, add moral excellence. Good. To your moral excellence, knowledge. Read your Bible every day. To your your, uh, knowledge, add self-control. Say no. To your self-control, add perseverance. Say no a long time. (laughs) To your perseverance, add godliness. He said moral excellence before. Moral excellence is what people can see. Godliness is here. It drives your moral excellence. That's what holiness is. We need that in the church today. Living life at the highest level. Secondly, prayer. Boy, we need to pray. We need to talk to God and we need to listen to God. I'm going to switch those. We need to listen to God and then talk to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, most, most people relegate their prayer life to that which is all that they think they need. There's no fellowship. It's not, a re- it's not a relationship that you're developing. It's basically an Amazon gift store. You're just putting in your order and hope it gets delivered in a couple of days. That's not the way we need to treat God. God is, he's the God of the universe. And he's really, he's really not interested in your orders. He's not going according to your plan. Not going according to mine. He hadn't done things (laughs) that I wanted ever. (laughs) I've always had to comply. Okay, you don't want to do it that way. I'm with you. Rather than, and I've asked him many times, more times than I, I want to admit. Would you please co-sign this for me? Get on my plan, please. Get on my plan. No. And I wind up signing the thing myself, (laughs) wishing I hadn't a year later. Why did I do that? Asking God to get on your plan is not a very good idea. He's got a plan for you. You need to get on his. And we're not talking about sin. We're just talking about things that are good, but not God. Finding the place in our prayer life that allows us to communicate with him where he is downloading information to us rather than us uploading information to him. Like he doesn't know. Like he doesn't know. He knows what you're going to say before you ask. He's not looking for information when you're talking to him. And by the way, you are not that good a company anyway. He is tolerating us regularly. So we need to get before him and say, Lord, I know I don't know what I need to say. I don't, know, I, I don't know how I need to ask. But I pray that your scriptures are going to inspire me. Help me. Prayer is a guard for you. It is a shield, if you do it well, that allows you to repair things so that things don't get through the walls. Lastly, the restorer of streets in which to dwell. We need to figure out how we can get egress and ingress regularly people going out and this is why we plant churches because we believe there's there's a doorway out that sends people to the community in order for them to reach people that they couldn't reach in here so today we're having our fourth pop-up service with our ward 2 plant pastor june and sarah O are out there doing it right now they started at 9 30 and they're doing a fabulous job at our 2230 house for the nations over massachusetts avenue it's not made for a church building but it's working And they get between 80 and 100 people in there every Sunday. They do it. And they will start... Really cool. They will start the regular services in October, and they're going to start with two in that building. Pretty amazing. But we believe in planting churches, sending people out. We got a highway that allows people to go in that direction. We've constructed it. It's a leadership development highway. It's a pathway that allows people to join them. We don't just find somebody and say, go plant. It takes us a year, at least, for a local church, two years for a church that we do abroad, abroad meaning out of the state, California, Arizona, places we planted. It takes two years to do that. We construct, and if you will, our staff are the pavers building the highway for that to be successful. And then there are roads that need to lead in. These roads were destroyed out and in. They needed to be repaired. And Isaiah said, people who rise among you, from among you, we will rebuild these roads and coming in we build roads for people who want to join the church people who want to understand more about who we are people who want to experience the things that are important to their progress in God we have classes we have things for your children we have things for your your youth uh, young people we have things for college kids every age group we have built roads for you to come in and find out how in the world you and yours can get better but we also have built roads that pave the way for folks who haven't functioned at the highest level they should and can come in and get repaired. At some level, we're a hospital. Not only, we are also a mobilization force that goes out and, and does mission. But we are a hospital, and people come in broken. People come in in a way that is less than optimal, and we do what we can to try to heal. Today, we've got a special moment. And that uh, your pastor, Tellus Fuller, is back home. For the last approximately seven months, we have we have built and rebuilt a pathway for him to return. Your leadership team in this church has done a fabulous job. The oversight team, the pastors of this house—Pastor A.J., Sean, Tiffany—all Miata, all the people who have worked hard over these past seven months to keep this church going as it should and to build a pathway for him to come home, you'd be really proud of him because everything, again, everything about God is about restoration. And although some restoration processes are more acute and public than others, every one of y'all blow it. At some point in this next 24, you will have needed to ask God or somebody else for forgiveness. If you haven't, it's because you didn't know you needed to. We all blow it, sadly. And whenever we blow it, we are in need of restoration, for God to bring us back to the place where we should have been, to make us what we should have been when he thought about creating us. That's what we are all looking for.